0: We are back on the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I am Essex there. Ben, a second podcast in as many nights we had last night released Wednesday morning. The comprehensive basketball preview featuring Christian Jackson. That came out Wednesday morning. I was down in Charlotte today for the ACC tip-off event. Now back in Winston-Salem, it is Wednesday night. And now we are filming for football, recapping Pitt, getting ready for Florida State. So, Ben, let's go ahead and get right into it. Wake Forest gets their season back on track with a last-second gasp win against Pitt. And it was a little bit of karma in
1: that win, Ben, as well. Yeah, the the slide giveth and the slide taketh away. Um, Pitt, you know, pretty much had that game in the palm of their hands, their quarterback pulls up just a hair too early on a slide and Wake ends up getting the ball back and being able to pull off that miracle victory, a little Marucci magic, if you will. Um, I was, you know, just going back over the numbers from this game. I think the, the win probability was my personal favorite one to look at with 45 seconds left in the game. It was pit at 83 percent to win and then just a deep nosedive as Wake went on that, you know, that last second touchdown drive and Santino Marucci with that great throw over the middle to Cam Height to to squeak into the end zone and give Wake Forest the win. But, you know, for this Wake Forest team this year, the, you know, the morale boosters have been hard to come by in spurts before this game. They'd lost three in a row and all pretty demoralizing fashion. Um, This is a win that the program needed, that the fan base needed. Um, You can tell how much it meant to Dave Claus and how much it meant to the team. Um, how much it will build up morale going forward. And really, Essex keeps their, their chances at getting to a bowl game alive.
0: Absolutely. And we'll certainly get on that that bowl game chat a little bit later in the pod. Some thoughts for me personally. I think the defense was a lot of a hot and cold against Pitt. Dave Clawson said they played fantastic, except for the bookend drives, the first drive of the game and their last drive of the game. Um, you know, yardage wise, I think a little bit of a concern they gave up 414 yards, 302 of those through the air. But I thought that was one of the best games I've ever seen from Deshaun Jones at cornerback. I thought he was fantastic. I also thought Quincy Bryant was really good too. Um, just pulling up their individual stats, Deshaun Jones with 10 tackles. One tackle for loss. I thought he was really good in coverage as well, but I think he blew up a few plays tackle wise. Quincy Bryant coming in at linebacker with seven tackles, two tackles for loss. Jacob Roberts is always nine tackles. Like I think the defense did look good in spurts. You know the defense that we've gotten used to seeing out of Wake Forest, but there there were a little uh, some concerns. I think and and Dave Clawson kind of summed it up well with those bookend drives.
1: Yeah, I mean the so the first first drive of the game, Wake Forest gives up a seven minute touchdown drive on defense. That's never how you want to start things off, getting your defense gassed right away. Gave up a you know a contested touchdown grab on third and goal. Um, that was a tough one to see. I, after that, for a long time, they rebounded really really nicely. You know the complexion of this game was so strange, and that there were two touchdowns total scored the first fifty seven minutes of game play. Pitt scored right off the bat a touchdown and then didn't get into the end zone again until there were about three minutes left in the game. Um, And then there were three total touchdowns scored in that between both teams in that last three minute period. So Wakes defense for, you know, like you just talked about the middle, you know, 48, 50 minutes of gameplay was really, really good. Unfortunately gave up, you know, some, some points at the end there, but that just, I think also is still a product of Wakes offense, you know, dealing with another, new starter at the helm this week, struggling to find themselves, um, you know, Santino Marucci had some growing pains again, was able to pull it out, but still threw two interceptions. Um, the other part, the other number that is concerning for me for this defense is zero sacks. Um, you know, they had nine tackles for loss, were able to disrupt the game in other ways, but um, you know, this pass rush is, is something that has really succeeded at times this year and really, you know, struggled to, to make that impact at other times. Um, I, again, I still think this defense is doing essentially all you can ask of it, um, given how inconsistent the offense has been. And I think they did enough to keep Wake Forest in this game competitive in this game until, you know, the offense, the offense was able to obviously find their stride in a major moment, um, you know, down, down the stretch of the game, talking about the offense, Devon Claiborne was awesome. Um, Big game for him, fourteen ninety six and two, including a forty two yarder that helped that helped get Wake right back into the swing of things. Um, but just yeah, it was the th- last three minutes of this game were just completely drunk, just absolute and total madness. Bunch of possession changes, three touchdowns, and you know Wake comes out out on top of a of a mad dash, you know, in a rec- in a ACC championship game rematch from two years ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was joking in the press box uh, with a few other members of the Wake Forest media that I, at the end of the game, had to rewrite my beat or uh, my lead, rather, three times. So I had my original lead written, rewrote it, and then rewrote it, and then had the final rewrite. At a certain point, I literally just stopped writing. I like that game. I truly, I just stopped writing a similar experience happened at old dominion. I had like half of a story written already before the game ended for wake Forest losing, and then had to drag my cursor over it and press the delete button essentially had to do the same thing against Pitt. So just a sign of what a crazy game it was. You mentioned the running back room, Ben, I mean, DeMond Claiborne was fantastic. As you said, I think it is interesting that, 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 um, that Justice Ellison, Demont Claiborne twosome, that tandem, you know, Dave Clawson said this week that it really is a 1A, 1B, 1B type thing, and it's whoever gets the hot hand, it seems like, it, and, and Dave said that himself, but it really is whoever get the, gets the hot hand. Justice is a little bit more sure-handed in the pass blocking, gives that veteran presence. But when DeMond Claiborne has himself a game, he has himself a game. And man, he did it against Pitt.
1: Yeah, when the offensive line is able to get that push at the line of scrimmage and just give him, you know, give him those first two, three yards off the line, he is shifty enough and explosive enough, explosive enough to really get to the second level. And you saw that, you know, a couple times. times, um, you know, 14 carries for 96 yards and, and two scores. That's very efficient. Um, you know, broke off two touchdown runs of distance and really gave – for a while gave that Wake Forest offense, the, you know, the spark play, the big play, you know, to break things open that they have really lacked in some of the games that they've lost. Um, you know, with Santino Marucci at quarterback, you knew probably that the, the, pl- the play calling for a while was going to be a little bit more conservative. Dave Clawson opened it up down the stretch and it ended up paying off in a big way. Jamal Banks had a couple really big catches two for 59, but they were both really big plays, you know, down either sideline and very well thrown balls by Santino Marucci. But that was not the norm for most of the game. Most of the game, they were trying to win at the line of scrimmage, get the ball to the halfbacks and, you know, win the field position battle and try to sort of grind this thing out. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Santino Marucci, Essex. What did you see from him? I mean, yeah, I, I thought the performance
0: overall for what was expected of him was, was pretty darn good. I mean, 12 of 21 isn't in, in a super exciting stat line, two interceptions, which isn't great either. One of them, I, I hold against them. Another, I kind of look at more like an arm punt, 151 yards, you know, looking at his PFF an offensive grade of 67.5, which I know is one of the better ones of for Wake Forest this season. And if I recall correctly it is the best offensive quarterback grade in an ACC game all season for Wake Forest. So that's something to take home. Four big-time throws, only one turnover-worthy play. All the time we think about, it's like, it's the complete opposite. Usually Wake Forest lacks big-time throws and has a lot of turnover-worthy plays. So I think that's notable as well for Santino. But you, you look at that last drive. I mean, the touchdown throw, I personally think, was the best I've seen this season for Wake Forest. He also had another throw that should have been a touchdown that dropped through Wesley Grimes' hands that I thought was really, really good. And the poise in the pocket for me was a big thing. I feel like this season, it's been a lot of uh, a lack of confidence in the pocket, a little bit of shakiness, you know, dancing around when you don't get that first read. And I felt like Santino was really, really showcasing that poise in the pocket. He knew when to stand tall he's big so he can kind of handle some of that pressure but also a few times he escaped out of the pocket rolled out made passes and also ran to the left towards the sideline to get a first down when you know the the pressure got to to be too much and he he just made a run for the first down line and got there so really good performance in that regard a little bit on pressure also only took two sacks which i think is emblematic of his performance in the pocket A lot of that was also the offensive line performance. It was one of the best per PFF this season, but I do think some of that was his ability to stand tall in the pocket and make decisions when to throw the ball, when to roll out and throw the ball or when to tuck and run. So I think, you know, my expectations were not incredibly high for Santino. I think that he heavily outperformed those expectations and a little bit later we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but it's, it's, it has started a conversation that is all you can ask out of a third string quarterback starting in his first game in college football he started a conversation about whether he should be the starting quarterback against florida state
1: yeah totally i mean down the stretch you can't ask for for better quarterback play i mean that that he had a long throw to jamal banks you know near the end of that game down the sideline decently well covered puts it where only his man can get it huge first down obviously that throw over the middle to cam height was a complete strike Um, you know he saved his best for the last few minutes of the game which is of course always you know what you want to see out of your quarterback in general Um, but yeah for a guy who's been you know kind of just in that third and fourth string range for as long as he has just waiting for his moment to get out there and sort of overcome the game time jitters and, and deliver in crunch time like that is is you know a spark for this team obviously Love it for Santino that he got his moment and was able to, tel- to deliver a couple big time throws. Like you said, four big time throws is no joke. Um, probably should have had another touchdown. Like you said, Wesley Grimes struggled a little bit and had that, had that ball drop through his hands. But um, yeah, I, I just said it earlier. I mean, this team needed a win so badly. And, you know, with Florida state looming, this gives them a little bit, of cushion and momentum and just snaps the skid really because it was a three game losing streak but that could have turned into five easily if they lost to Pitt so you know obviously it was tough to go down like that against Virginia Tech which should have been another winnable game but to bounce back at home on homecoming weekend in front of a pretty good crowd I was I was in attendance for that one as well um just you know something that I'm sure, meant, like I said, meant a lot to Dave Clawson and and gave this team just a little bit of juice as they sort of head into further into the back half of the season.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that I thought was interesting,
1: Forest was working
0: limited playbook with Santino, and Dave Clawson said it wasn't because of Santino's skill; it was because he the lack of reps in practice. I mean, a a year ago, Santino was playing safety for Wake Forest, and B he's the third string quarterback, so he's not seeing enough reps. So working with a limited playbook, but I did think they they opened it up quite a bit in the fourth quarter. And just to quickly harp on something that I wish I had mentioned earlier, but with the wide receiver room, you had mentioned Jamal Banks. Opening up the playbook brought in something that I think was really important for Wake Forest, which was getting Keyshawn Williams involved. I mean, he had six receptions, the last one setting up the game-winning touchdown, getting him involved in the playbook, and kind of opening things up with Santino, getting him the ball, I think was huge for the Wake Forest offense. Made him dynamic. They had some crossers going, a little bit of a, you know, a little Sam Hartman esque what we saw with Key in the past. So I think that was was really big. And so now Ben, I, I do want to get into that should slash does Santino start against Florida State on Saturday? My thoughts on this: I think it's really tough for Wake Forest this season because. The quarterback conversation has been the dominating narrative regarding the team pretty much all season, essentially after I'd say the, the win against Vanderbilt, maybe the, the win against old dominion, there has been talks about Mitch Griffiths. You know, there were talks about getting Michael Kern involved. And then when he went down talks about getting Santino involved and because Santino played well, got a win. The conversation continues and, and it's a, just a really tough position to be in when you have, you know, your starting quarterback struggling and you have a third string quarterback who's making a play for the position. And some of that, I think, you know, it, there's a factor with, with Mitch being injured. He wasn't able to play against Pitt with an undisclosed injury. um, And Dave Clawson said that he might be able to come back this week, might not. So it might not even be a conversation whether Santino should start. He may have to, he's, you know, Dave Clawson said that that Mitch and Santino are going to be splitting reps this week. But I think there's a, there's a huge debate externally going on, you know, from the fans and the media over what should happen at quarterback. But I think more than I previously previously thought a little bit earlier this season I think there's an internal conversation about who's to start at quarterback for Dave Clawson and the offensive coaching staff for Wake Forest.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really intriguing situation to be in because you can look at it two ways. You can look at it, you know, taking this day by day, week by week. Who gives you the best chance to win that week right now? I would probably say that. Based on, I mean, it's only been one game, but Santino Marucci, like I said, I I agree with you that that throw to Cam Height was the best and most important throw that a Wake Forest quarterback has made this season. And, you know, Mitch Griffiths in the last game action he saw just looked frazzled, you know, wasn't making those throws that we saw at the beginning of the year when he played, you know, better games against Vanderbilt and Elon. And, you know, Marucci has really thrown his hat into the ring, but at the same time, you know, Mitch Griffiths was, you know, got given the starting job this year because I think the coaching staff, you know, he has a better chance of being the guy for this team, like in the future, long-term next year, when you look at that. So, you know, with Florida State coming to town, Wake has their work cut out for them anyway. It's going to be, you know, they're kind of an offensive juggernaut, obviously undefeated. Um, leading the ACC and, and with a shot to go to the College Football Playoff, but you know, with with Mitch Griffiths' health in question, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of on the wavelength that maybe you give Santino the start. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about is just based on what I'm hearing, I don't think that Mitch is going to be ready to go for Saturday. You know, Dave Clawson said for the Pitt game that he was keeping his cards close to his chest, you know, didn't want Pitt to be able to, to know what where they were going to go, who they were going to start. I think the same applies to Florida State. So there is that conversation about Mitch and Santino, but I I, I don't think Mitch is going to be ready from an injury standpoint to go this coming Saturday. And not to say that Wake is, you know, a lost cause in this game, but Florida State is an incredibly good football team. It's going to be incredibly hard to beat them. And Santino is the hot hand. I think he earned the right to start again. And the injury plays a role into that. But just the way he played, you know, getting Wake Forest's first ACC win, I think he earned the right to continue to start at quarterback. And then when Mitch is truly healthy and ready to go, then maybe a conversation can be had about that. But as of right now, with the team they're playing in Florida State, not only do I think Santino will start, I think he should for this game.
1: Yeah, like you said, um, this is obviously going to be a wake for us, you know, toughest game of the season. And, you know, with Mitch Griffiths, like, m- my thought is almost why risk it if if his health is in question at all? You know, just Santino's playing well. Look at the body of work. He went out himself and played well enough to win that game, to win an ACC game, snap a three game losing streak, you know, already an impressive performance in a lot of ways, obviously some cleaning up to do with the interceptions, you know, not the most efficient game per se, but I don't think that's all on him either. I think there are still problems with pass protection, the offensive line. Um, I think if Mitch, I think if Mitch Griffith's health is in question at all, you go with Santino Marucci um, is my thought. And if I had to make a prediction, I would say that's, that's probably what will happen. Like you said um, again, we'll see Dave. Yeah. I, I figured Dave Clawson would probably keep this, you know, close to the chest. I think that's the smart move as well until they have things ironed out, but um, either way. Yeah. Looking ahead to this Florida state game Wake, wake has wake has their work cut out for them as the Seminoles come to town.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Florida State, they're averaging 41 and a half points per game. Their opponents are averaging 18 and a half. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, if not one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman at wide receiver, an incredibly scary duo. And before I turn it over to you, Ben, got one pretty impressive stat for the Seminoles. In the red zone, they are 27 of 28 scoring, 21 of 28 touchdowns so on 75 percent of drives that reach the red zone Jordan Travis and the Seminoles are putting that thing in the end zone and they've only missed scoring in those opportunities once which means they're not turning the ball over in the red zone they're not making the mistakes of an inexperienced team they are getting the job
1: done on offense and that's why they're scoring 41 and a half points per game yeah I mean like you just mentioned absolutely lethal when you get the ball into deep into enemy territory, and so many weapons at skill that it is ridiculous. I mean, you have Trey Benson at running back, 75 carries, 489 yards, six and a half yards per carry, six touchdowns, backup running back or second leading rusher, Lawrence Toffili, 35 carries, 251 yards. Seven point two yards per carry, only two touchdowns, but still remarkably efficient for you know a one a and one b type situation. And then at receiver, obviously, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman are fantastic. And I think what will give Wake Forest the most problems is just their size. I mean, Johnny Wilson is an absolute unit. He's six foot seven, two hundred and thirty seven pounds. Keon Coleman is 6'4", 215 pounds. And you know both of these guys have are, are putting up monster numbers so far this year i mean keon coleman has seven touchdowns already both guys over 400 receiving yards and 25 catches or more and so you know this is a Florida state offense that can get it done no matter which way you slice it without question the 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 biggest test that wake forest will face all year offensively you know in in any capacity and like you said they they don't They don't, Florida state has won by not making a ton of bad mistakes. Jordan Travis only has two interceptions this year compared to 15 touchdowns. That is absolutely, you know, he he might, he's not super high up in the, in the Heisman conversation or anything necessarily, but he is doing absolutely everything he needs to help this team take care of business and and win the games that matter most. You know, they blew out LSU week one. Um, That was a huge win, put up 45 points in that game. A very impressive win for me too is beating Duke by three scores. That was a, I thought that game might be a little closer than 38 to 20, given just how good Duke's defense is. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of know. that was like, that was a close game,
0: I think, for a lot of it. And then, you know, Mike Elko taking out Riley Leonard kind of impacted that score a little bit, but I think your point holds. Duke's a very good football team. They're talented on defense and the Florida State Seminoles just still kind of steamrolled through them. I think that's a little bit, there's an asterisk on that game, but like, I think your point holds. Florida State offensively is an absolute weapon and it'll be a real test for the Wake Forest defense. Now, I am interested in the Florida State defense a little bit. Because I was surprised the narrative and I mean, it's a narrative, but it's also a reality is that Florida state has a ton of studs on defense. Like they are really, really good. They have a lot of NFL talent. Like there are going to be several guys on that defense that are playing on Sundays, but this season, they just have a little over two sacks per game, which is surprising to me in that it's, it seems low. Like, for example, just this past weekend, Wake gave up two sacks and that was a big win for the Deeks. I mean, that was impressive. It was emblematic of of better quarterback play and, and much better offensive line play. So I think that's interesting that Florida State's only getting a little over two sacks per game. The second thing is the rush yards. So they gave up 197 rush yards to Duke and they're averaging about 150 yards per game on the ground defensively. So I think looking ahead to what Wake Forest is going to do offensively, especially if Santino is starting at quarterback, I think he got to ride the ground again, you know, with DeMond Claiborne and Justice Ellison, you know, whichever gets the hot hand. I mean, DeMond Claiborne is that electric player that I think is going to be that guy, but really go onto the ground. Uh, And I think that's how this team will remain competitive with Florida state I think it's also how you have to manage the game in order to stay in it against Florida State, just the way their offense is. I think Wake Forest really is going to have to integrate the ground game into that game plan.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, obviously if you're Wake Forest, you're looking at games for Florida State where on defense, where have they looked vulnerable? You know, the closest game they've had all year was against Boston College. They only won that game by two points. And the Florida State defense gave up 457 yards of offense to Boston College. So, you know, if you're Wake Forest, you're looking at you know what what happened in that game to allow Boston College to fight to remain competitive and to almost steal a win you know against a team much above their pay grade. Uh, Boston College did throw for over 300 yards in that game. I, right now, I don't think Wake Forest has the capacity to do that. They were also you know very effective on the ground, rushed for over 150 yards as well. So I think, like you said, that is where Wake Forest is going to have to be effective. I think you ride the hot hand in Claiborne. Clayborn. Um, I think it's going to be critical. Obviously, you know, the Florida state defensive front is, you know, daunting in in a lot of ways, but I think if you can find ways to just win, win that, you know, get those first couple yards off the line of scrimmage, let your running back do the rest. I think when Santino Marucci made a lot of good plays against Pitt was when you gave him, you know, easy throws to make that throw to Keyshawn Williams was an easy, you know, an easy throw into, you know, a shallow part of the field, pass the sticks, get him the ball in space, let your playmakers make plays that's going to be the key to this one. You know, get your speedy guys the ball in space to get to Mont Claiborne to be able to bounce it out, bounce it outside, get to the second level. And then, you know, just hope your defense really keeps up that consistent level of play um, for as long as possible and hope that maybe Wake Forest can go on a few lengthy offensive drives as well, just to even, you know, even if not all of them end up in touchdowns, just give your defense some time off the field to recharge and come back and, you know, have them playing from a position of strength in the field position battle too, I think is gonna be really important. Obviously, you know, if Wake's gonna win this game, it needs to be a low scoring game. I think that is, you know, I think that is an undebatable truth. I don't think Wake is gonna be able to put up 35, 40 points a game in this one, I think if if they're gonna be able to compete, they're they're gonna need to really find a way to to limit some of Florida State's weapons. Look at you, Ben, stealing one of my keys to
0: the game. With that in mind, let's go ahead and get right into it. Keys to the game, Wake Forest, trying to beat Florida State, and certainly ways that they can try and stay competitive. I've got two, and then I'll kick it over to you, Ben. The first, what you were kind of talking about is control the clock. And for me, that's a lot about what I was talking about before, really utilizing the ground game, relying on your running backs to you know, not only gain yards, but also keep that clock running. I think that's going to be really important for Wake to stay in the game for a longer period of time against Florida State. And it's going to be a little bit of that strategy we saw that worked well against Clemson and worked well against Pitt, where it was keeping them in the football game. The second of which, and it's going to kind of also play into the ground game as well, is stay in front of the sticks. And what I mean by that is try and minimize as many sacks as possible, you know, try and and get through the offensive line on early down and distance runs. You know, you can't let it get to second and 13, second and 14, second and 15. It'll be a lot better for Wake Forest if it's second and seven, second and six. So I think it's going to be relying a lot on the ground and making sure that you not only control the clock, but that you don't get yourself into long downs and distances, because that's where Wake Forest, I think, is going to get themselves into trouble. They'll play conservative, they'll run the ball, and they will punt. And that will just allow the Florida State offense to get into the game. So in order to stay close, they just have to have to hold onto the ball. So I think that's going to run through the ground.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, my, my key to the game is, honestly, on both sides, just avoid – Blow up plays. So you know if you're Wake Forest, if you're Santino Marucci, and you sense the pressure coming, and you're not going to be able to get the ball out, just take the sack. If this is, I don't think Wake can get away with throwing two interceptions in this game or turning the ball over, you know, two three times and winning. The pit the pit offense, you know, didn't always punish Wake Forest for those those mistakes. Florida State offense certainly will if you give them the ball deep in know your own territory you're going to give up points it's inevitable like you said they're lethal in the red zone so avoid blow up plays on defense that means no explosives no blown coverages you know if keep keep those big receivers in front of you don't let them you know don't get burned on a nine route you know whatever it might be avoid those avoid those explosive plays that kill your momentum and you know can stack up points in a hurry against you Strip sacks have been a massive problem for Wake Forest this year, and like you said, Florida State hasn't always been the best penetration-wise on defense. But um you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a game of doing the little things right for Wake Forest.
0: Yeah, that's a good point on the explosives, Ben. Something that that Dave Clawson talks about all the time. Got to be a way to stop Florida State. Let's go ahead now into our last segment of the show: predictions.
1: Ben, how does this game shake out? You know, I, for as good as that Wake, that win against Pitt was, I just, I just don't think Wake has, you know, the firepower to get this done against Florida State. Um, Florida State showed vulnerability a couple times this year, but for the most part, they've taken care of business. Um, I think Wake maybe will make this a little bit closer than some people think it's going to be. I don't think they'll, you know, have give up a trillion yards, this Florida state team, but I also don't think they have the, the ability on offense to go out and score enough points to win. So I'm going to take Florida state 31, 10.
0: Wow. Shoot. You are right <laughs> on top of where I'm going at for all the same reasons too. I think this game is also going to be closer than what the line says. It's going to be what people might expect. It's going to be blowout wise. I think a lot of that is going to be Dave Clawson's strategy. Lending itself to the final score. I also think this game's gonna stay close for a while. You know, Florida State a lot this year has gotten themselves into trouble and then they find ways to escape. I think something similar is gonna happen in Winston this Saturday. I think Wake is gonna struggle to score points, but I do think the defense is gonna hold strong for a while. And then eventually I think the the flood is just gonna get through. Uh so I think it'll stay close, maybe around halftime maybe into the third quarter and then Florida state will just go zoom. So my final score is 31, 13. So I think wake is 13 points. Ben, you and I were both on it with 31 points, Ben Conroy, 31, 10, Florida state. I'm going 31, 13, Florida state. We didn't even coordinate that. We didn't even did coordinate not. That. I promise we did awesome. it. With that, that'll be all on the boots on the ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I've been Essex there. Florida State, Wake Forest, 12 o'clock on Saturday and basketball against Alabama, 1 o'clock on Sunday. We'll have coverage of both and reactions afterward on the Boots on the Ground pod. See ya.